Welcome to Legends from the Hill, the Franciscan University Alumni Podcast, where we talk to alumni about their candid experiences as students and what they're doing in life now. Here in Season 2, we are excited to be talking to alumni who currently work at the university in a variety of departments. We look forward to hearing about what has changed and developed in their part of campus over the years and what has stayed the same through the test of time. We're your hosts, Christy Fleming, Director of Alumni Relations, and Megan Cohen, Class of 2010. Join us as we hear how the Franciscan spirit lives on in the lives of our alumni on Legends from the Hill. Today, we're excited to be joined by Katherine Resnick Sullivan. Catherine graduated in 2010 with her BSN and went on for her MSN in 2012 from Franciscan. Ever since then, she's been an instrumental part of the nursing department in the sim labs and teaching, and currently she is the department chair. Catherine has led medical missions to Ecuador and has been very involved in a lot of the academics here at the university. We are excited to hear more about her story and the updates on the university from Catherine. Catherine, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Christy. It's great to be here. Yeah. How are you? So good to see you. And I think you're going to win the award of having the most letters after your name of anybody we've ever had (laughs) on the podcast. That's funny because in senior year, we actually do awards at the end. That was the award I got because they're all funny awards to each other in our class. And so that was the award I got, the most likely to have, like, the most letters after your name, like one of these other teachers. So Okay, you yes. you won that award Thank double, you. Thank <laughs> I would say. So we'll, we'll get to what those letters are um, in a moment, but can you take us back? I think um, many people are going to know your maiden name of Resnick, but... Uh, where are you from and how did you decide to come to Franciscan to study? For sure, for sure. So um, again, thanks for having me. Um, I actually grew up, I was born in Steubenville, but I grew up outside of Steubenville. Both my parents were alums. They met a Franciscan. My mom's family moved here because my grandfather came to teach when Mm. she was four. So my parents, my mom had lived here pretty much her whole life, gone to school locally, everything. And then my dad came to go to school. So my parents met here and stayed here. And so I grew up around Franciscan, you know, so I was, you know, got to go to FOPS when I was in high school. Our youth group did stuff on campus. We did high school conferences and we were like, you know, one of those local groups, yeah. you know, that knew where everything was. <laughs> like, um, so just, you know, had a good time being around Steubenville. So when I got to school, it was kind of an obvious choice. Wow. In one, on the one hand, because I was going to do nursing as a major, I also had that as kind of a pathway. Like I knew nursing was something Franciscan did well. So I guess if I had picked some kind of more obscure major, I might have had to think a little harder. But I was like, oh, no, nursing at Franciscan is great. And I want to go to Franciscan. So this is easy. Um, I remember applying in high school, though, and talking to some of my friends. And, you know, they were like, the one was like, I don't know, I think you got admitted because your dad works there. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure they admitted me for my grades. Like, I'm pretty confident that's, you know. I didn't um, need any special. No, I really didn't. Like, so, I mean, it was it was very blessed, you know, to grow up in the, you know, the um, school environment that I did. But, you know, also to have the opportunity to go somewhere that I felt was going to challenge me academically. Mm. Because that was important to me. Because I didn't, I didn't want to be bored. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to really learn and I wanted to be the best nurse possible. Granted, you don't really know what that means when you're 16, you're applying. Right. But at the same time, that was my goal. So I was like, well, clearly this is the place I want to be. So I didn't even apply anywhere else. Okay. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to go to Franciscan and yeah. that'll that'll work well for me. So, yeah. And when, so you knew from a young age you wanted to be a nurse or when did you come to that? Yeah, I would say probably like somewhere in preschool. My parents no. are like, you, you pretty much started talking about it then. I did have a brief, a couple of times I briefly considered medical school. Okay. I actually, in the very beginning, even of being a freshman was like, this is interesting, but not that hard. And ah. I was like, I should, maybe I should do medical school instead. And then I got to take a nursing course at the time when we went to Austria, we didn't have like the remote options. So before you went to Austria as a sophomore, you actually took a nursing course on campus as a freshman. Hmm. And then I was like, okay, no, 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 I want to be a nurse. This is going to be great. Like, great. Uh, so I really enjoyed it and definitely felt the Lord guiding me that but there were a couple of periods where I was like, maybe I should do med school instead. <laughs> Other than that, though, nursing yeah. the whole time, always going to do medicine of some kind, you know, in that regard. So right, right. Yeah. That's a special call because definitely I gave blood this week and I had to tell them, I'm like, I just get a little bit queasy. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So yeah, yeah, being a nurse is a very special call. So thank you. No, thanks. I enjoy it greatly. So I feel kind of like it's like, yeah, but I get all the rewards of being the nurse, you know, So because right. to me, it's very enjoyable and very, very rewarding. Yeah, that's awesome. So you get to campus and you know you want to be a nurse and you're familiar with campus. What was that life like to adjust to actually be a student after being around it for so many years? Sure. I was super excited and I was definitely very much ready to jump in. I made the decision to live on campus, which I think was a really good one for me, even though I was local. Mm -hmm. I was able to afford that. And so that was a great blessing. And so that really helped, I think, kind of adjust like this is different. I'm not just a high school student coming up here anymore. I'm I'm in college, right. right? I also had the opportunity at the time to do swap work. So in high school, I had had the chance to work for the conference office and in the summer because that's when they could work as a high school student. And so I was somewhat familiar with that, but that provided me with the chance too to continue a swap job during the school year. Hmm. So I kind of jumped in pretty quickly with that and was able to plug in, but in a different way. And that really provided me with some additional friendships, particularly people who were in different classes than I, mm. different majors, different disciplines. And so that really helped kind of broaden my experience. Mm -hmm. um, so in one sense, it was like a super big transition. I'm the oldest of 12 kids. So like I was yeah. like, oh, my gosh, I miss my family who was like 20 minutes away. But nonetheless, <laughs> you know, I didn't have a car. Like there yeah. were just different aspects that you're like, oh, my gosh, like this is very different. Like I've moved away and my, you yeah. know, sisters were like my best friends. Like, and so like suddenly I didn't see them as much because there's three of us right in a row at the top and like, like, okay, can't wait till you get here. Like, so, but it was really an opportunity to kind of build new friendships, you know, to build on some that I had started, particularly mm -hmm. from that past summer, because those, some of those students were still there working. Mm -hmm. And so I had some upperclassmen friends, but then once of course you're in classes, you're living in a dorm and you're in a freshman group, you know, then you have the opportunity to get, start to get to to know people, you know, right. so it's been really an honor, you know, just to, kind of fun to kind of see that happen. And like the small group they put me in, like that orientation week, like a bunch of people married local and stayed like of the five wow. of us, just like three or four people still living here. So it was really super fun and like Aww. ended up with some even people I didn't necessarily get to know as well in school or like now people I see regularly because they're in my parish or that, you know, they have right. relationships, etc. So Right. Oh, that's super cool. Did, so did you work events? Was that your Yeah, so I worked for the events office okay. and um, the conference office, you know, in the summer kind of they work together right. and kind of you are the different budgets and stuff. So I was able to kind of move from being a conference office worker just to being in the events office during the school year, working FOPS, you know what I mean, having the opportunity to work various board of trustees mm -hmm. events, things like that, which I really enjoyed. So that was like a nice, I didn't have to think about what I was doing for a job, mm -hmm. but I also had one that was pretty flexible. Even when clinical began, it didn't matter because I was able to say, well, I can work at this time, but that one I can't do because it wasn't a shift per se. Right, right. And I'm sure with nursing, it's like you're you're in your little nursing bubble of those are the students and the people you know. So I can imagine that would be really nice to have another yes, outlet. Yes, it definitely friends. was. It definitely was good to have a group of people in, in both contexts. Sometimes I joked just because of the different things I was involved in. Like I have all these friends that don't know each other, mm -hmm. like not in a bad way, but because I had a lot of relationships and an extrovert, you know what I mean? But I knew people from a lot of different groups and I'd be like, well, don't you know so-and-so? And they'd be like, no, how would I know them? I'm like, well, they're in my nursing class, you're right. You would have no reason to see them like ever because of, you know, whatever reason they were a transfer and then, you know, all the things. And it's just funny how the Lord works in that to give you a broad you know, exposure and, and friendships that can last through time. So. Right, right. Very cool. And that nursing, I mean, you guys are in your nursing wing and studying hard all the time. <laughs> um, so we, I mentioned you have the most letters of anybody. <laughs> um Tell us, okay, so you, you come to Franciscan, you are a nursing major, and then what? where did you go after that? Because that's a feat in itself <laughs> to graduate from Franciscan and be a nurse, and, but that wasn't enough for you. <laughs> well, so I really even at Franciscan at the time, we had the old core, and so I had a little bit more space when I got to senior year, and particularly I had taken a few classes in high school, so I kind of had accrued credits, and so when I got to senior year, I had a little more space, and we still have this policy in place, but you you can actually take some graduate work if you're interested. So I took some graduate courses as a senior because I was interested. Like I wasn't sure that was what necessarily the direction I was going to go, but a couple of them substituted directly for things. And I was like, sounds good. Like, let's let's explore. Like, let's see what this might look like. So I kind of was in that path. 
Um, upon graduation, I got hired in a cardiac step-down unit, which wasn't like the field I wanted to be in forever, but I mm. learned a ton in that first year. I continued to do the master's program, but really by the end of that year, not even a full 12 months, I'm like, I really like need a different, like this is not the place I want to hopefully be a nurse forever in. And mm-hmm. Like I said, I learned so much in that setting, mm-hmm. but for me, it wasn't the best fit. And I was able to apply for and got um, an ER job, which is what I had wanted to do. Okay. So. I got that. I was able to switch over and I worked then and I have since then worked in Pittsburgh in an emergency department um, in that role of a nurse and just really found like that was what I had wanted to do since school. Like I had thought, oh, the ER, I'll like this. Even before I did the clinical, which is I had had the opportunity senior year to do some and was like, oh, no, like this is because of the fast pace or what? Yeah, I love the fast pace. I love the fact you don't know what you're going to get. It's Mm -hmm. a lot of variety. Um, Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that there's like a lot of critical thinking. So like, for example, in one of the roles I work in, I work in triage and I actually did my dissertation in triage as well. So like this is an area I'm really interested in. But like you're out there in the front and you're like the first person who meets a patient and you have Mm -hmm. to do some kind of decision making. Like, is this the patient that needs the last bed that we have? Mm -hmm. Do I need to call the charge and say, you better find me a bed, Mm -hmm. you know, or is this somebody who can reasonably sit or maybe I can do a couple of things for them here, you know, call mm-hmm. the tech out and they can, you know, we can get a glucose or an EKG and kind of put them on a path mm-hmm. um, so that we know a couple of things are safe with this patient. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really enjoyed that. So I kind of, that's maybe a microcosm of like all of the ER. I love generally in the ER, any kind of hmm. opportunity to care for people. I love that it's mm-hmm. different every time. I love that you see this huge age of you know, range of ages that you have the opportunity to care for people in all sorts of walks for life and like just these different situations. So that I kind of really liked. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of pressure to make those decisions (laughs) and yeah, to be kind of responsible for where they'll go and the care that they'll receive. Yeah, that's fun for sure. But yeah, so as part of that, though, when I switched, I knew pretty much right away that I wanted to get my certification in nursing. So I'd already started looking when I was working in the cardiac step down, and I had started to read about the certifications available in those disciplines. Um, the emergency one is somewhat unique in that you don't actually have to work for a certain number of years or months before you can take the exam. So I was like, well, I'll just start studying for the exam, which was wonderful. It worked. It was like just kind of dovetailed with everything I was doing, both in my graduate studies, because I was still in the master's program, as well as working the ER. I was like, this is great. This book is like one of the most fun textbooks I've ever read. Like, this is like yesterday I saw this type of patient and now I know how to think about it differently or more that I could learn about it. So Mm. I kind of moved forward with that. And at the same time, I was in my master's program and I was moving forward with the clinical component. So then I started to have opportunities to kind of focus my clinicals in areas that I was particularly interested in. So in pediatrics, I found that I really liked my pediatric patients because I was in a mixed AGR. Um, And so I did several of my clinicals in pediatrics. I had Mm -hmm. some emergency department clinicals because you kind of got to pick because I was Mm -hmm. an educational specialist. I got to pick kind of the areas I was most interested in. So that really provided Mm -hmm. me with some really great opportunities to get to know some different people, to get exposed to different areas of nursing and kind of get a sense for what I might like. Um, I did my first, like, participate in my first research project, you know, so kind of things like that, all working towards my master's. So that was was a really nice opportunity for sure. Wow. That's a lot of content and a lot of experience and exposure that you were able to get. Yeah, it was fun. Wow. Okay, so you get your master's, and then what happens? (laughs) Yeah, so I I took my CEN while I was in my school for my master's. I finished my master's in nursing education. I actually finished in December of 2012, and in the spring term, um, I started teaching clinical for Franciscan. So I also had, at that point, during one of the rotations, I had done it with a faculty member on campus. And so I had the opportunity to be in their course, to be at their clinical site, to do the different types of things faculty members would do. And one of the opportunities I had as a part of that was to attend a training that was held on campus for these new mannequins we got. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, I already enjoyed education that involved kind of hands-on things. I had become very quickly in the ER, like the month after I got there, involved with teaching advanced cardiac life support and very shortly after that pediatric advanced life support and CPR Mm. and like so we'd already done like that was a regular part of my duties I did that every month as a part of what I did for the ER Mm -hmm. and so I did this extra thing in simulation and I was like well this is fun so like I worked with the faculty member that even then 
But then as I came around and I was teaching clinical, I had kind of a, a unit that wasn't as busy that spring. So a couple of times it started to be like, the census is not the greatest. You mm-hmm. know, unfortunately, they've since closed this pediatric unit. But one of the times, you know, it started to look like it might be a little light. I said to the faculty member who I said, any chance I could like do a simulation for this, you know, to kind of see if that would serve mm-hmm. some of the content of this course. Um, and so kind of it was earlier in simulation and, you know, there's always, you know, got to make sure and you fulfill all the criteria for clinical hours and things. But she's like, yeah, if you want to also do that, that'd be totally fine. I'm like, okay, cool. I think my students would enjoy this. So I wrote a simulation on pediatric um, critical care, not like the ICU so much, but like the emergency assessment of the child, because that was the background, mm-hmm. the piece that I have, you know, okay. more experience in. And so uh, the students came and we like assessed the mannequins and they did things and we gave meds. And so that yeah. was like kind of one of the first simulations that I had the chance to write. At the same time, I had the opportunity to start helping with some simulations that were being developed on campus. So I had expressed interest. I obviously had been around you know, for a couple of semesters before that while I was in the master's program. And I had in the fall kind of volunteered with one. They were like, do you want to come teach clinical? I'm like, no, no, like I've got to finish these things for my master's. And so when they got to the spring, they're like, well, if you'd like to come, you can help develop these, you can participate in them, you know, whatever your job allows. So I'm still working full time in the ER, of course, but like, so I was really blessed by the opportunity to do that. Hmm. Got to work, you know, with the person who's like leading the development of these and kind of talk through scenarios and work with students in their first round of like hmm. what we'd call big sim I guess they were long they were in depth you know what I mean right. like and so that was an opportunity I had during that semester as well so this is still we're in 2013 <laughs> at this time there were um a faculty person had reti- was retiring okay and then there was also um a father Nicholas had been teaching in the nursing program but got you know promoted to a role of leadership within the TORs and he's a nursing faculty so he had had a position and someone had come and filled it kind of at the last minute so they started two faculty searches and so as a result of that you know they had a faculty search posted as you had to have a master's and they had a faculty search posted as you had to have a doctorate so the master's job fit my colleague who was doing all these simulations perfectly I mean this was literally what he was doing he'd gotten asked at the last minute he jumped in all hmm. feet and and did the job mm-hmm. and so I'm like I'm not applying for your job like and he's like well you mm. have these other things like I've been teaching with the ACLS and pals you know crew at my hospital I had gotten involved in like the overall UPMC certified emergency nurses training you know and there was you know quarterly like all these things yeah. and he's like you have teaching experience I'm like I am like no I will not apply for your job then not in a bad way but he's sure. like well you should you know and I'm like okay so then I'm like I, it's kind of off the table like that's mm. I'm not I don't have a PhD and I'm not going to apply for the master's prepared job that mm-hmm. you know what I mean because it's your job as, as far as I'm concerned <laughs> you've been doing it for the last nine months and it'll be 12 and all right. that so and I mean not like I'm so holy it was just like that's logical to me right. you qualify this is the set of courses you're teaching like yeah. why would I apply for this it would be an you easy transition you know what I mean like the, yeah, yeah so program um so the, you know, just kind of as that unrolled, like at the end of the semester, within about 48 hours, I had like three or four different conversations with people in totally different contexts. So I'm working with youth ministry at the time um, locally, and I had a meeting with um, one of the people who was in charge of that. And we had like kind of a just a life discussion, like, how's this going? And now that your master's is done, you're going to still be able to lead the youth conference because that was one of the that was one of the things I did is like mm-hmm. the piece of that. And then you know, what, what, what are you going to do next? And they just like shared with me, like, they were like, you know, you really have a gift for teaching. Like you should make sure that's like a priority and like, you know, mm-hmm. how's your career is unve- developing and things like that, which is very kind of them. You know, at the same time, this, you know, faculty person I've been working with, like stopped me and was like, no, I really think you need to apply. Like, and I'm like, well, I guess I, I I don't know, like, and then in the ER, also, I had a shift, and somebody stopped to tell me, one of the other nurses, like, I've learned so much from working with you, you need to teach, like, all the time, like, mm. you should be a teacher, mm. why are you not a teacher? I'm like, wow. okay, Lord, I hear yeah. you, like, okay. <laughs> so, so I actually applied, not for the job that required a master's, which was all I had, I applied for the job that required a doctorate. Oh, <laughs> of course. So, <laughs> um, so I'm like, I'm totally never getting this job, like, not in a bad way, but I'm like, this will be good interview experience. I do want to teach long-term. It shows my interest. Hmm. I'll keep teaching in this part-time clinical capacity. I know I'm going to look at doctoral programs anyway. It'll just be a matter of when I begin one of those, you know, finances Hmm. and kind of the different things. So anyway, I applied for the job and I interviewed and, you know, I I ended up getting the job. So like, (laughs) I find out, like, not really, like, it's kind of logical in many ways, but nursing faculty across the country 
are frequently hired without a doctorate because the percentage of nurses with a PhD is not high. And there are two different kinds of doctorates in nursing, and and both of those can teach. Um, But even specifically at that point, the majority of nursing faculty who taught Many, most of them had a PhD, and the percentage mm-hmm. of PhD-prepared nurses at that point was about 1%. Oh, wow. So if you have a, a need and, and you are specifically looking, you know, for somebody who has a mission fit and an interest, mm-hmm. you know, being open to going to get your doctorate, you know what I mean, like is, right. is on the table. So was it contingent on? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I had to get my doctorate, which was totally fine because mm-hmm. I planned to get my doctorate anyway. So it was like, I guess I start working on that then. <laughs> um, and so like, you know, went back and talked wow. to my other job and was like, so I kind of, I had been full time in the ER and doing this like one day a week for Franciscan. And I switched then that summer to being full time faculty and like a day or two a week in the ER. Okay. So that was kind of like, it was a big transition, wow. but also like, it was a really, really good experience. So yeah, as we're working through that, you know, I kind of, I just start teaching. I taught my first year. As the first year came wrapped up, somebody else was in the process of retiring and people were shuffling around. So I actually changed which courses I teach. So in my second year, I started teaching the pediatrics course because at this point, or very shortly after that, I guess, I, you know, I became a certified pediatric emergency nurse. I have like a pediatric research interest, specifically looking at pediatric patients in the mixed AGR or the general emergency right. department, which is kind of what I ended up doing my dissertation research on. You know what I mean? Because I had this interest in pediatric patients, but my background was, you know, partly in clinical in terms of caring for them in the master's program mm-hmm. and then teaching clinical in the inpatient pediatric setting. But my like day-to-day job was like all ages of people. Mm-hmm. And so my interest in part was, you know, helping my colleagues, you know, in the ER feel mm-hmm. more comfortable taking care of pediatric right. patients. So it was a really good kind of a mix. So I moved to the to that. I'm working on my PhD. I finished my CPN in the middle of that somewhere and, you know, kind of had some opportunities with that. So Okay. Wow. Sounds like a whirlwind. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. Very exciting. Um, and then you've been teaching since and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I've worked um, – I believe this is my 10th year okay. at Franciscan oh full time. Wow. So, yes. So that suddenly, you know, crazy amounts of time has passed. But yeah, so I've been teaching and I've been doing the pediatrics course. I do okay. simulation and I've taught some clinicals for some other courses as well, because that's pretty common that we have a little cross contamination in a good way, mm-hmm. um, just as we do that. And so that's been some different opportunities that I've had. Currently, I'm serving as the chairperson for the department. So I'm teaching like part of my teaching load is actually class and part of my teaching load is to be an administrative person. So Mm -hmm. that's been a a new experience for me and and certainly challenging, but learning one as well. Yeah. So is that kind of a lot of visioning for the program and how you want it to be or what does that entail? So part of it is looking ahead, you know what I mean? Certainly. um, But a lot of it is, you know, just kind of the day-to-day management of the program as well. So like things like clinicals, like, and, you know, doing simulations, et cetera, but like those have a lot of different requirements. So meeting the requirements of each clinical facility, having a contract with each clinical Mm. facility, those are kind of, those are all pieces. Certainly I work with others on those, but those are all, you know, really things that have to be managed on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So there's always some contract we're working on. There's, you know, renew them or we have, you know, different things where we're negotiating a new contract, which is very normal, but there's a huge number of clinical facilities. So that's just something that we're kind of always doing. Mm -hmm. So we're using, you know, 25 to 50 depending on the semester. So hmm. those have to all be kept current. You're kind of working with folks to make sure that the students are complying with those requirements mm-hmm. because they're all slightly different or their reporting requirements for something might be different. Right. This facility wants you to send the records of these immunizations. This facility wants to do this online training and then just verify the students have their immunizations. And okay. there's certainly a lot of other people who work on that. We have a clinical coordinator now, you know, that okay. she does a good, significant portion of that, but it's very much like kind of a team project. Let's all get the people where they need to be because it changes so much and it's so different between facilities hmm. because of where we live. So Mm -hmm. we go to facilities that are in Ohio, West Virginia, Pennsylvania. Undergraduate faculty hold all three nursing licenses. Um, So at the moment where Ohio has just entered the compact, which will, for nursing folks, they'll understand what, you know, like how you were like, oh, good. Now we won't have to hold three separate licenses, which is a very great blessing. But, you know, that kind of a thing, just managing those pieces, who's going to teach where, you know, kind of moving load around and kind of working with that. Those are kind of the administrative pieces that are the day-to-day. And then Mm -hmm. there is also that long-range planning. Like, what are we going to do about this program? Or what are we going to do about this aspect of our program? Or how can we support this better? Or this is a trend we're seeing. So, Mm. you know, should we change something based on that? Or how do we implement something new? Things like that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. I feel like the nursing program is so such a crux at the university that everybody knows it. And you are, yeah, intimately involved and a part of, yeah, that great program. Um, and you also the sim labs have grown and developed under you. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. So we have um, really had that simulation piece has, you know, done had like quite a bit of change in that. So like I said, my one colleague had worked there and was working on the simulation. Um, he did get the role, of course, as a full time at the same time. So we were the two people. So we did work to build simulation for additional courses. And then every faculty person kind of in their own context, you know what I mean, has worked on mm-hmm. that you know, as well. So we had that kind of that opportunity through, we were kind of all developing curriculum for different Mm -hmm. parts of the curriculum, basically for simulation. And so that's kind of been a multi-year process. And it also changes kind of what it looks like over time. So like during COVID, like when we, the students came back that first semester, we wrote a significant number of new simulations to support the fact that clinical facilities weren't all opening again. Mm. And so like for pediatrics, our students split their time. They did half simulation and they did half clinical. So they did part of that simulation was virtual simulation software that we could purchase. But part of it was coming into the lab and doing case studies on mannequins. So we kind of wrote a whole bunch of new simulations for that. So it's kind of something we're always working on. We now have like a standing committee that works on it. So we have a nursing simulation committee. We also now have a simulation educator as one of the members of our faculty. So like really kind of organizing and coordinating that effort. Um, And that program has really grown quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, one of the things that's really exciting coming up is that the new building, the new academic building, Christ the Teacher, will include a large amount of simulation space. So currently mm-hmm. we use, we have a an old faculty office that we use as a control room and we have a bunch of computers and, and uh, physical plant has been great at building us little gadgets and things to kind of fit all our stuff in there. Oh, they cool. had brought, built us this cool thing on the wall to put all of our controllers in and they like built us a stand for our table so the door stopped hitting it because it's wow. an office. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> we have like, we're using that as our control space, which is where we do video and audio of our students. Yeah. And then we have the one main lab, which depending when people graduated, they may remember it's, you know, in Stafford Hall. Um, and that main lab we've transformed into simulation space. So instead of, wow. you know, we certainly I'm sure there have always been some form of mannequin in those beds. But now they're high fidelity mannequins that breathe and seize and cough and have blinking and abnormal heart sounds and can have all sorts of wow. special features. So we have three beds now in our simulation space. We have two cribs, an infant warmer, Hmm. and we have a number of stretchers where we kind of shuffle the people around. So even when they were in the process, just kind of earlier talking about the new academic building and one of the um, administrative folks in the university was like, well, clearly we need to do nursing because every time we come to use their conference room, there's like mannequins out (laughs) in the hallway. Uh, It's probably true. It's pretty much like... We literally move them. We're like, oh, okay, well, I need these five, and these two need to go. So then we'll be like, okay, these two can sit in the hallway for, a, you know, a little while, and, and then we'll pull them back in later yeah. just because space is definitely at a premium. So we're very – I would say we're extremely good users of our time and space, mm-hmm. but we – have simulations in the evening. We have simulations that are almost on top of each other. We have, mm. you know, in a, we work really well together to do that. And our simulation educator has really worked hard to get us a nice schedule that makes a little bit more sense, you know. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, it's it, we definitely use the space very well. Yeah. Like, if you're looking for extra time, well, here's these two evenings and here's right. a Saturday if you'd like it. Right. So it's not as flexible. The new space is going to be dramatically bigger. So four-ish times in terms of wow. like square footage. Um, and it's also going to include some additional mannequins, you know, so really like just super excited for that new space. Yeah, that's super exciting to yeah have your own space and plenty of it. Yes, yes. So we are at the top floor of the building. So hopefully we won't be too isolated from all of campus. At least at this point, people walk through. (laughs) Yeah. And that building is coming up. It's like amazing to see the... Yeah, elevators are coming in and the bathrooms, so you'll be there before you know it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how quickly it's being built in some ways. Like, not that, I mean, it's being built very well, but at the same time, right. it's like really coming from the ground up. You look out and you're like, oh my goodness, like, look, a stairwell again, yeah. <laughs> another one. Like, right, it's if impressive. you're away for one day from campus, you come oh, yeah. back and it's like, okay, they were working yesterday. Yeah, I know, I told my husband, we came up, but he hasn't come up recently. So we, he came up at night, we went to Tuesday night prison worship. I'm like, we got to come back up during the day because it's been like a few weeks it looks totally different like totally different it's completely changed so yeah yeah well speaking of changing I feel like gosh you've been here 
for so long and have seen the university in so many different ways and places. So what is kind of your assessment of growing with it? And it's it feels like, yeah, you've been an integral part of that nursing department of the growth and development. But yeah, what have you noticed over the years? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the things I've noticed, I think would relate to kind of how our academics kind of apply some of the things, particularly in the sciences. You know, we do a lot more now with things that are technological, like simulation in nursing or, you know, a lot more research in our biology department, for example. So even like, for example, during like right after we came back from the pandemic, nursing was able to support biology in doing a research study that involved um, phlebotomies so of drawing blood to, and they were testing it for antibodies. So like we're doing a lot of kind of interesting research on campus. You know, there's several really big projects going on with biology and psychology that are just really interesting. And like, I think that really help our whole institution, you know, as we're not, you know, we're not necessarily a primary research institution. We're primarily a Jesus and Franciscan institution that also wants to do really well. And, you know, we're academically challenging and passionately Catholic and really pairing those and seeing how that works in the world, I think is really cool. And so like kind of looking at how those programs have developed their research and how, you know, different things have developed in technology. So our simulation program, the software engineering that's being developed, you know, those kind of things I think are really interesting to kind of see Franciscans in that particular square. Whereas I think like some of the other aspects of, of campus were really well developed. Those were kind of maybe younger or not as developed. And those mm-hmm. have really, I think, come a long, long way since like even I was a student till now, just really been able to, you know, have really, you know, quality faculty in those departments that, you know, are able to do those programs and kind of develop agendas in that research context and things is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. And it's neat to see in the new building how you guys will all kind of be connected of the sciences and then um, business, of course. And yeah, uh, yeah, it's neat to see the cross contamination. Yes, of definitely. Those programs. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, is there anything else that we should uh, know or hear from you? Um, well, I mean, I think some of the things that I really enjoyed in being a student, I had the opportunity to work with the Ecuador Medical Mission. Ooh. And so I think that's one of the things like for me, that's kind of wildly cool that I've gotten to continue to do that. So I got to mm. come back as a nurse. And then I got to come back as a faculty person. And now I'm the advisor and like um, really cool. working with another person on that as well. And so like just really having the opportunity to see that kind of grow and, and be in a different role and different aspects of that mission, I think has been really cool. Um, certainly missions of peace is a lot of people have, you know, exposure mm-hmm. to that aspect of Franciscan, but I think it's really cool that we have such a unique opportunity. So one of the things that myself and the other advisor, we work with the med staff. So we've been recruiting and talking to medical staff, nurses, doctors who've been, are going to be coming with us in a few weeks. Okay. Um, so we have been talking to them and it's so cool to see that kind of- And are of, they within Franciscan or outside? So they're typically outside. Okay. Many of them are alumni or mm-hmm. they've sent children here okay, or they cool. know someone because they've met them at church who's an alumni. <laughs> okay. And so we'll get these messages like, so I know so-and-so. Great. <laughs> so, and I'm, you know, really involved in this parish and, and I would really love to come on your mission. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so obviously, you know, making sure that folks fit the mission of the university is super important, right. but it's really kind of a very cool blending of like the world and, mm-hmm. you know, campus culture. And I think that's one of the reasons our med staff come back, you know, because it's like, this is like a really unique mission where we really have the opportunity mm-hmm. to serve the medical needs of, you know, an impoverished group of people um, who are, you know, in the remote setting of Ecuador, mm-hmm. but also like, really get to dip into that spiritual life of, you know, participating in adoration and prison worship with students and mm. getting to be refreshed in that. So like, it's very tiring as you can imagine, you know, there's hiking and sleeping on the ground at times and, mm-hmm. you know, not sleeping as long as you might prefer. But at the same time, like, I feel like I personally, even as a faculty person who has to come back and teach right after, right. like come back feeling very, like kind of spiritually refreshed. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have shared that too. And so it's really a very cool opportunity in that um, to really like, get to know a different kind of a group of people, but also to like get to have them participate in the the life that our students get to have. And I know for a lot of them, when they come, especially with their kids who are students here, Mm -hmm. they just feel like they really get to embrace that really kind of specific 
aspect that like see the Franciscan side of it because um, it was really a mission that's trying to blend, you know, both the medical and the catechetical and the spiritual right. aspects. You know, we're sharing the gospel is what's going to last the longest. Mm. We can see you in a clinic and we can treat your medical problem and that's awesome. And, you know, we know that that's, you know, the way to people's hearts. And we've had, you know, many popes speak about that. Like if mm-hmm. we can help meet you where you are in your physical need, you'll be able to hear the gospel better. Mm. So really to be able to do those things together um, is really cool. And it's yeah. exciting to kind of see those start to to blend every time. And yeah. the medical staff tend to come, you know, every three to five years. Okay. And so it's kind of like this rotation and you see people you knew again, mm. but you also like see a bunch of different people who then meet each other and like have these cool opportunities to share. Yeah. What is the main medical um, practice that you have to take or that's helpful for those people? Sure. So we primarily do um, like acute care and kind of we do health teaching. So we go out into okay. more remote villages. And so our clinics are set up in such a way that we will kind of assess, you know, patients and we'll kind of identify if there's somebody who needs like kind of a much more complicated intervention. And our, our folks who we work with down there can refer them and they'll work with the mm-hmm. usually the local parish priest who usually has like 40 villages, but they'll kind of come mm-hmm. back and like be able to identify, oh, this is the kid who, you know, we identified a kid one time who had a congenital heart problem. Wow. His parents are like, he, he's really tired. He runs, you know, and everybody, he's so slow and everybody else runs past him that was the translation I got okay um so I like start I'm like well, he has a huge murmur so I feel like that could be oh. why um you know so in, but in a good way we were able to give his name to the local priest and to the foundation you know that we kind of interact with down there and they can kind of mm-hmm. help follow that up because we're not going to fix that mm-hmm. you know what I mean like that needs right. significant more you know assessment to even know what you have right. wrong uh, but it is interesting how they kind of live with it. So then we're talking in this same family and the dad says, well, that's kind of what happened to me when I was a kid. He had a murmur too. So we were like, well, this is interesting. Like, you okay. have like a whole, you know, <laughs> so it's kind of a, we do a lot of, we certainly do screening. I would say in terms of treating things, we primarily treat acute infections. So kids with okay. ear infections, people with pneumonia, cellulitis, they have something, you know, kind of infected or something like that. Um, rashes. We also do health teaching. So, for example, like a lot of the things we see are, are going to be like acute care, kind of like back pain, for example. So part of that, you know, we can give you some Tylenol and some ibuprofen and teach you about. But we're going to also teach you like how could you maybe stretch your back? What would be safe lifting practices? Mm-hmm. Um, what are ways that you could manage things? So even things like headaches are often caused by dehydration mm-hmm. in particular in a very hot climate like where they are. So kind mm-hmm. of talking about like water and how that would be useful, even safe water, Mm -hmm. right? Because not all the water they have is safe um, because it's contaminated or it comes from somewhere else. So Mm -hmm. we do a lot of like our pieces are kind of assessing, finding the people who really need to go somewhere else, right? So a very small percentage will need some kind of specialty care. We do acute care and we do health teaching. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time we're doing that, we kind of typically have our waiting room is like an outside area where people are waiting. Um, And so we'll do catechetical teaching. They'll sing songs, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and then we'll Father will typically hear confession, mm-hmm. um, and some of those folks don't have access to that very often, and then we'll have mass. Mm-hmm. So, And then within the clinic, we'll pray with each family. So we'll pray for healing. We'll pray for any particular thing. We'll pray you know, that the Lord blesses them and their family, mm-hmm. wherever that may be. So kind of a combination of all of the things. Right, right. Yeah. That's really cool. That's, yeah. It's like a good Franciscan melting pot of everything of who we are you get to bring. Yeah, it's very much. I really enjoy the experience. I'm really looking forward to going this year. Yeah, very cool. I'll be in Ecuador in the other part. On oh, the I other mission. That. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. Are you going as the advisor? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Oh, we will have to talk more. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, Catherine, thank you so much. It's just really exciting to see kind of your whole history of being at Franciscan and continuing to impact and leave a legacy here. So before we go, we have a couple of hot takes from the Hill, which are so few questions to take you back to your student life experience. <laughs> so um, now that you are a professor, who was your favorite professor when you were a student? Well, I guess I have partly a, a weird answer to that question, not in a bad way. But I think <laughs> that maybe the person, I, the employee I learned the most from was Dave Fatula. Because, we love Dave Fatula. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I was his student supervisor for a number of years, and he really provided me with a huge number of opportunities to grow in leadership. And he'd, you know, be like, you got to read this book. This book will help you. <laughs> so I would read books, and then, you know, we'd talk. But it was, like, such a good opportunity to really grow as a student, yeah. um, but grow in maturity and grow in leadership skills. And he really was very much somebody who could kind of assess where someone was at and give you enough responsibility mm-hmm. that you had to learn to do something, but mm-hmm. not, like, 
maybe overwhelm you. Right. Um, though who isn't overwhelmed at some point during <laughs> responsibility. But, right. it, you know, at the same time, like I learned a tremendous amount from him. So yeah. he wasn't in class, but I would say I learned, you know, quite a bit from him. Yeah. I think from a faculty perspective, the more traditional answer um, would right. be um, Kevin Harris. So Dr. Harris um, taught a number of classes in the program at the time. I was in it and still does. And I learned really a tremendous amount from him. I really got his teaching style and in a lot of ways wanted to emulate that when I became mm. a faculty person. I was like, I want to teach like that because I was interested. I enjoyed mm -hmm. it. Do you know what I mean? Like there were aspects that I could really relate to um, and kind of work with that style. Mm -hmm. Very cool. What was your favorite class that you took? So I think I really loved my nursing coursework. I really, really did. Um, there were many aspects of that that I felt Obviously, like. Obviously, since yeah, you went on for many more years. <laughs> it turns out, yeah. So, I mean, like, I think, though, it might have been embryology because I took it, like, kind right. of for fun. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was only for fun. And, and that kind of helps, of course, always. And you don't have to study the material. Mm -hmm. But I also took it at the same time I was taking OB. So it was mm -hmm. like, oh, this fits perfectly with what I'm learning. So I really enjoyed that class. And it was a class I had the opportunity to take with my sister, which was, hmm. I think, the only class we ever got to take together, who was the one right below me. So, like, yeah. that was something that was super enjoyable um yeah I loved all like nursing was just you know yeah that was always fun but embryology I would say would be the one outside of that that was like yeah okay this, man, this is I heard so many good things about embryology and I never took it that oh. like man I should have taken that you can take it now oh <laughs> oh I don't know about that <laughs> um all right so you were kind of known as like this incredible nursing student that everybody wanted to study with. So I <laughs> oh, say all funny. of that. Um, where did you study? Where was your favorite place to study? Well, I mean, I spent some time in my room. I, I used the library initially, but like there were just too many other people. So um, I think the things that probably stuck out the most are going to be like going to the Heights and studying with some of my friends. So we had like a standing the night before an exam. We would have like this long study session. Okay. Um, get I would get like my caramel macchiato without milk products in it and like <laughs> that was my exciting thing and we were going to sit there and we were going to study and so we'd study for like six hours but we were doing very much a like we're rapid fire reviewing at okay. that point like like Keep let's up. do it but yes no but I think that was one of our friends came and she was like you know I don't think I'm actually here yet in the material and we were like well we're going to bed at midnight so you might okay that's fine you're welcome to come anytime you know right. um, but there were three of us who really just worked together quite a bit on that and okay. we would do this like really in-depth rapid fire review and the three of us did quite well in school so that was like it was really mm -hmm. good for all of us we would take we'd do every other slide so I was like I do one and somebody else would do one and then we and so you'd rotate and you'd have to explain the slide mm -hmm. as well as you know and and come up with some wow. kind of a question about it. So we really did it. That was super fun. Yeah. And then I had another friend who we would study kind of, we would get our notes caught up. So we actually started doing Austria in history, actually. Oh, wow. Because for a number of reasons, whatever, like we were like kind of, it, it was a really enjoyable class that maybe wasn't organized how our brains were. And so we had started in Austria doing that. And so we would meet um, every couple, three weeks, not necessarily right before exams, and just sit in the JC and be like, okay, what do your notes say here? What do your notes say there? What do your notes say there? And then I also had a small group of people like right before the exam because I was a breakfast eater and I would go to the calf and they're like, well, you want to study with us? I'm like, well, I mean, if you want to sit here while I drink my coffee, like we can talk because this is not learning time for me anymore. This is just like way gosh. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I'm drinking my coffee. Happy to talk about any concepts. So my one friend would come and be like, okay, here's my list. We were talking about this last night and I need your answer. I'm like, okay, like, <laughs> and we would have, it was a good time. And it was a good review for me because I'm like, right. okay, now I'm like all the way awake. But I, my goal was really never to be learning something that morning. So it was just review so that mm -hmm. any type of review was fine with me. Yeah. So by yeah. then I was like, I either know this material or I'm not because I'm, I'm an earlier studier. If I don't know by then, like, right. I might learn something right before the test, but that's that's not really my style. Yeah, chances so. are it might not stick. Yeah. Very good. Um, what was, and you kind of already mentioned this a little bit, but your favorite campus activity as a student or things to do on campus? Sure. Yeah, Ecuador probably wins because mm -hmm. I did that three times as a student. was Great. very blessed by that. Um, I think, you know, just the... In involvement in campus life do you know what I mean like having some different opportunities as a student you know even for FOPS I had gone a lot as a high school student because our youth group would come mm -hmm. and so like I had gone for like four years of high school to VOPS you know pretty consistently mm -hmm. um so as a uh, 
college student, I actually had the work opportunity to work them, which was interesting. Mm. So that was, you know, kind of a different aspect of them. But it was like, yeah, I can kind of give back in this way and I can still really enjoy right. it. It's a different level of, you know, participation, of course, because you're always on the lookout. I mean, as an events worker, you know, primarily you're setting up and you're kind of maintaining order. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then someone will have a medical emergency at the back of the field house. And then you're <laughs> like, OK, <laughs> the Lord understands I'm over here. Right. Uh, but I would say that. And then I really was involved um, with some of the liturgy committee things. My senior year, I was on liturgy committee mm-hmm. and really had, you know, some good opportunities to get to volunteer, you know, in those different capacities. So I was an usher for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember getting inducted to my household and I literally was like, this is great ladies, but like, I am supposed to be at the four o'clock mass to service. And I should be like, didn't you go this morning? I was like, yes, but I also have the four, the four today. Like, <laughs> I'm working. I know. Like, so just really some, some fun opportunities with that. Um, just, you know, the opportunity again to meet different people. So yeah. at one point I was, you know, invest, I really enjoyed that type of, you know, volunteer work. So I was like, would be an extraordinary minister in the morning and then I would usher in the mm. afternoon. So. You're a busy person. It was fun. I had a good time. That's amazing. And finally, have you ever run into an alum in an unexpected place? So, yes, I was thinking about this and, and just trying to come up with, you know, having listened to the podcast, you know, I was like, mm-hmm. I got to come up with these. And about, I don't know, six months ago when I was listening, I was like, I can't even come up with any. I hope they don't ever ask me. Ah. And then you did. And I was like, well, I guess I better think. Oh, man. Um, so I think that probably the two that are the really obvious is I went to work in the ER in Pittsburgh and I had been hired. You know, I went to go to my I went to my orientation and then you go out on the unit and literally one of my the classmates above me who I worked well, like with all of school, she was just one year ahead of me in nursing, literally worked at that unit. And I was like, oh, oh, well, hello. And then a similar thing happened. I still work at that unit as my primary unit, but I moonlight, which means like I very occasionally pick up time um, in the children's ER. And uh, I come around the corner and this this person who I taught comes and she goes, I thought that was your last name. There's only so many people that are spelled that way. <laughs> and she goes, it's so nice. Like, I'm like, when did you move back to Pittsburgh? Like, so that was like super fun. So those I think are probably like classic. You know what I mean? You don't know that you're going to run into people right. in that context. But of course, it's nursing, you know, and there are a lot of nurses. Yeah. So, yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So I didn't realize you're still working in a hospital. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that's been, you know, a really great opportunity. I've been blessed that the emergency department I work at is very flexible in terms of, you know, being able to. To let me work when I can work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really supportive and I get to practice nursing in a right. different way. Certainly it's practicing nursing to teach, right. but for me that's really helpful to keep kind of my hand in it, especially with being chair because I don't get to do as much in the hospital with students in okay. that role. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas when I'm teaching, like all my load is teaching, then I am in the hospital with students regularly. Okay. So that's been kind of a nice opportunity to just kind of keep my hand in it. You know, like I'm mentally still a nurse, you know, even mm-hmm. though obviously I'm a nurse when I'm teaching, clearly you can't teach something you right. don't know, but right. it's kind of nice to sometimes be just a nurse yep. and yep. to just live in that little bubble and just be like, yeah, I'm just a nurse today. Just and people nurse. are like, oh, you're a nurse. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, nobody cares what credentials you have. They're like, you have an RN. Yep. And that's all. <laughs> that's all you need to think know. about the rest of those extra rando letters. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. is there a plan to add any more letters, or are you kind well, of? Actually, yeah. I guess there's two I haven't addressed yet. So, <gasps> oh my I goodness. Got <laughs> yeah. Well, the Lord is good. You know, He has a plan. But yeah. So I guess not last summer, the summer before. So last summer I got married, but the summer before that I actually um, got a couple sets. I went to um, a wilderness. Um, medicine conference and okay. I was able to sit for the certification for that so I'm an advanced wilderness expedition provider which I got to say was one of the most fun classes I've ever taken in my life I was very like, fun this is like mission right here because yeah. I've definitely not that I've had to be like stranded on the side of a mountain but I've definitely in the course of particularly with Ecuador and being you know a university person in that context we're a medical mm-hmm. mission but you're in a country where people who have get food and water things. And so we get students who sometimes mm-hmm. become ill. We're very judicious about our water now, and that's dramatically decreased mm. the number of students who become ill. But typically somebody, a couple, three people get something, you mm-hmm. know, because you're out of the country and, you know, there's food yeah, and water exposure that might not, not be the same. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you're tired. It's very, very hot. You know, the combination mm-hmm. of those things can be really challenging. So had a lot of opportunities to work with students in the context of like an acute heat illness or dehydration, mm-hmm. you know, and in that setting. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, less so the like major, you know, musculoskeletal trauma, though I've also had a, you know, a cousin break their ankle at a family event and splinted them, <laughs> you know. So I mean, right, like, right. had some fun times, you know, but this course was wow. focused on that kind of 
you're out in the middle of nowhere and now what do you do? And since, you know, myself and my husband really enjoy outdoor stuff and then you add in the Ecuador piece, it was like, this is a perfect yeah. fit. Like, do you know what I mean? It's Definitely like all like that. the things that potentially could go wrong while hiking. And one of the things I really enjoyed about it is it is focused on people who have licenses already. So okay. the only people who can, you can't take it if that particular type of course, unless you already have a license at something. Okay. So it was not, it was taught at like, you're already a nurse or a doctor or a paramedic. Mm-hmm. Like here's the stuff you need to know to apply this to the mm-hmm. wilderness and what are some aspects you know long talks on you know how you could make water safer and what can you do if you lose your water filter i mean like it was like this is amazing yeah great so that was cool and then i also took the i sat for the pre-hospital registered nurse license in pennsylvania um i didn't end up using that but as i was kind of looking at some different directions potentially for my second job i was considering flight nursing so i actually went on a i didn't ever do it i went on a shift and shadowed for a day but um that was kind of something i was evaluating and you need that first so i went ahead and got that though i haven't utilized it i learned a bunch (laughs) i went to the class and got the license you know so yeah so that's been fun it's a wealth of of knowledge that you can share with the students too of here a lot of opportunities and directions that you could go for sure for sure and i think too one of the things we do also have on campus um is we teach a class out of our department for specifically for non-majors called mission preparedness Hmm. and so there's a number of us who teach it it's a team taught class but it's focused on health and safety aspects in mission Hmm. and so it's a course where you know we're we already know you're at Franciscan, you get to have awesome theology, you get to share the gospel in various ways, but like, how do you make sure that you're not the person they send back because you got malaria or Mm. dengue as one of my friends got, you know what I mean? Who was a little above me in school and like had to come back from the mission she was serving in because she got dengue. Now it's not to say that you can avoid every instance, but like what kind of things could you do so that when you get to that setting, you have some knowledge. So it teaches first aid and CPR. We do some advanced first aid and CPR a whole day on food and water safety. You know what I mean? Like, and how do you use Mm -hmm. water filters of different varieties? How do you pick water filtration Mm -hmm. types? You know, should you be boiling your water? Could you chemically treat it? What is the context you're going in? So we get a lot of students in that who either going to work in like a setting that exposes them to a lot of medical things. So mm-hmm. perhaps, you know, our social workers really enjoy it or catechetics. I mean, I did youth ministry. <laughs> Boy, you know, you get things, you know, like just because yep. kids trip and fall while they're at the youth event or so right. regular first aid stuff is helpful. But then also like what is different? You know, we're kind of focused on what's different if you're in the middle of the jungle and this happens. Um, how are you going to approach that differently? Right. And so that's also been a nice opportunity in the wilderness thing fit with that really well, too, because it's obviously a different mm-hmm. kind of a a group, you know, mm-hmm. a different kind of a setting and how are you going to apply that material? And most people are going to apply only a piece of that material. Mm-hmm. Um, but we always say, and we almost always get a comment from one student or another, like, this class is just going to help me be a parent. Like, <laughs> like this is great. Like, um, yeah. let's do it. Like, there's a section on treating dehydration in children. Like, right. and how do you orally rehydrate someone? Because we're all partly talking about, like, what do you do in the jungle? Right. Which right. is not going to be just pop over to the ER and get some IV fluids. Yeah, like it's going to be those resources. How do you orally rehydrate someone who is puking? <laughs> mm. So yeah, yeah. So things like that. Very cool. Well, thank you for all that you're doing. That's amazing. And yeah, it's just neat to see the trajectory of uh, where you followed your dreams, your passions, your gifts, and what God has called you to. Yeah. The Lord has really blessed me for sure. Mm. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we can't wait to see what you do in this new building with all the new Sim Labs and everything uh, at the university. Yeah, thank you, and thank you for what you're doing and sharing all the fun things you do up here on campus. Awesome, thanks. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Legends from the Hill. If you liked this conversation, please share it with an alumni you think would also enjoy it. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Franciscan Alumni to stay up to date on events in your area and news on campus. Do you know an alumni who has a story to tell? We want to hear legends from throughout our 75-year history. Email us suggestions for the podcast at alumni at franciscan.edu. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Legends from the Hill.